Welcome to the Camp House Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Busby, and today's episode is part of our special series focused on our local election for the next Chattanooga mayor. As many of you know, this election cycle features the largest field of candidates for mayor that our city has ever had, 15 in all. It is my goal to bring as many of these candidates as possible onto the podcast right here over the next couple weeks. These interviews with the men and women running for office will take the shape of a conversation that will allow you to hear their story, qualifications, and the passion they have for our city of Chattanooga. In the end, our hope is that you will feel more informed and engaged when you cast your ballot for the next leader of our city on Tuesday, March 2nd. And now I give you our interview with Andrew McLaren, candidate for Chattanooga mayor. Well, Andrew, welcome to the podcast. Hey, welcome. It, um, it's really an honor and a privilege to get to be here. I've checked out your social media and it's really impressive. You've got a big following and that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, ten, so. 10 years of building community in, in Chattanooga. It just, you know, it's, it's been a long, a long haul in that way. Um, right. But today we have the pleasure of having candidate Andrew McLaurin on the podcast to talk to us about his candidacy for mayor and uh, to tell us a little bit about himself. And, you know, Andrew, the way I like to start these podcasts is really just hearing from you, your own bio, your own uh, background and, and why you're running for mayor. Right. Well, first off, I'm a father. I've got three kids. My daughter, Zoe, is my best friend. She's nine. And if anybody watches my Facebook, you can see the, the shenanigans and the entertainment. I mean, she is just a character. She's a comedian and absolutely hilarious and an artist and just brilliant. And then my sons, uh, Andrew and Alex, Andrew's 13 and thinks he knows everything <laughs> and he might he, he won a, a state uh, math and science uh championship that's awesome contest yeah and then my other son alex who's 12 is a a physical freak of nature he can walk across a football field on his hands when he's 12 and he's holy cow do, yeah and he can do 12 backflips in a row and i've got a video to prove it and i put it in slow motion too so you, now granted he's on a trampoline but he can do 12 backflips in a row he's just a he's a beast uh, you know, Alex is a, is a man's man. Andrew's more of the intellectual. And then Zoe's kind of the referee. Whenever they're wrestling, Zoe will get on and, and start punching them and, and uh, you know, intervening. And then my parents are elderly. They retired down here to Chattanooga. So some people say, well, Andrew, you've only been in Chattanooga for eight years. Um, you know, I, I, I travel the world to, to work. I do private investigations all over the world in over 70 countries and executive protection, which is a fancy word for security, for bodyguarding. So I've gotten to guard, you know, rural families. I've gotten to guard uh, celebrities, billionaires, CEOs, pick their brain sometimes when we're flying high in the private jet. But then there's other times when I'm working pro bono for poor people who might've been uh, the victims of police brutality or might've been taken advantage of. And I try to balance that. I'm not a saint, I'm not running a charity. But I always try to have the philanthropic aspect and the humanitarian aspect. And the reason why I'm running is I used to volunteer over at City Hall helping homeless veterans. And I saw that there was so much bureaucratic red tape mm -hmm. and there was so much selfishness going on where a lot of people got the jobs because of cronyism or they, you know, they happened to know the mayor and they got these positions and they've got a bunch of fancy degrees, but it's a nine to five job for them. And if I'm elected mayor, I'm only going to accept a rookie cop salary of $34,000 a year. The remaining $128,000 of my annual salary is going to go directly and transparently to poor people. That's $34,000, I'm sorry, $128,000 
left times four, that's $512,000. I've got a lot of ideas. And a lot of my ideas, such as the plastic bag tax, that's worked successfully in over 400 cities to stimulate more revenue and encourage people to use reusable canvas bags. I understand that we're going to have to stand up to the state. So I want to team up. I'm a bridge builder. I'm a people person. I can navigate the human terrain. I'm going to team up with the governors of Knoxville, the governors of Memphis, the governors of Nashville. And we're going to stand up to the state of Tennessee. I think I can work very well and synergistically with Governor Billy. But if we have to sue the state of Tennessee to get several things passed, I also want to decriminalize marijuana the same way that they've done it in Atlanta and Nashville, hopefully make it legal. Not that I support people doing marijuana, but at the same time, why are people are overdosing on prescription opioids? The marijuana is a much healthier option and it can bring in revenue for our city and our state. I think it's it's time to be on the right side of history and already half the country has done it. Colorado has been able to bring in billions of dollars. At one point, pension funds from the state of Tennessee were invested into medical marijuana. Can we just please, yeah. Can we just please say it's 2021? Enough is enough. You know, and it reminds me of the gay marriage issue where it was just, you know, every state was falling, you know, okay, this state is going to say it's legal to, to, to get married if you're gay. And then finally, the Supreme Court made the right decision. I'm hoping the Supreme Court makes the right decision. But these decisions that are made at the state level, you know, there's still a, a day remembering and paying tribute to Nathaniel Bedford Forrest in the state level. We have the way that things change is by the people making noise. And today during my TV interview, I'm going to give Cameron Williams a few minutes of my time for my interview. And I told him, like, look, Cameron. I'm not clout chasing. I lose just as many votes as I gain by supporting you. But you know what? You're my friend. You're a good father. I know you love your daughter. You've never done me wrong. You've always been there when I've needed you. And, you know, I set up the meeting between Police Chief Roddy and Cameron Williams last year during the height of the protests. And props to David Roddy. I've, I've criticized him. I've said I'm going to ask for him to resign and put Glenn Scruggs in, the assistant police chief, because I think that we needed a change. And I want to bring in my administration, just like when President Biden comes in, he's got a new administration. Glenn Scruggs was an outstanding homicide detective. I think he would, would have made a great state senator for District 10. And he grew up in Avondale. He grew up poor. He's got great community rapport. And Glenn's my friend. And I think that he would make a fantastic police chief. So what separates me from the big four? Um, now, the big four is Kim White, obviously, who is a powerhouse. And I, I've exchanged pleasant uh, greetings with her once. And I don't personally have anything against her. I think she's very, very smart. I think she's fantastic at bringing in money, which she talks about in every interview that she's brought in $1.2 billion. Well, Kim, if you brought in $1.2 billion for the city, then why are our small businesses going out of business? Why is there poverty everywhere? Why is the homeless population spiraling out of control? It's because the $1.2 billion isn't going to the people. It's going to the people at the very top. It's going to the corporations. And what I represent is I am a fighter for the people. And I'm not just a fighter for the people come election time. I've been fighting for firefighters for years, not just, you know, when it's trendy to do. And just because the, the fire union head won't talk to me or the police union head won't talk to me, the police union head endorsed Kim White, the fire chief union head endorsed Tim Kelly. And now today, or I'm sorry, yesterday, the Times editorial board endorsed Monty Brule. Well, 
they're not even meeting with me, these, these organizations, these elites. So what does this tell you? We have a four-headed monster going on right now that they're calling the viable candidates. You know, we've got Wade Hinton, who I've criticized Wade a lot for losing $6 million of LED lights, $5.59 million worth of LED lights. So he always likes to talk about that he's great at, at doing the budgets and he's got the only experience. Yes, I don't have any experience losing $6 million worth of LED lights. But to his credit, I would hire Wade because I think that Wade is brilliant and I love his story coming from the West Side Projects and graduating law school with honors. I would probably incorporate Kim White to bring in money. Uh, I would definitely use Tim Kelly because I think Tim Kelly, I think he means well. Tim Kelly and his wife have good hearts. And Tim Kelly obviously owns Chattanooga Brewing Company. He owns the soccer team. So, and, and Monty, I would use for environmental programs and, and CARTA. Monty is the best candidate when it comes to the environment. He's been a member of Green Spaces. I've not been a member of Green Spaces, but I want to incorporate fully as much as we can their sustainability plan. And I told News 12 that yesterday. I think Green Spaces sustainability plan is great. But the reason why I think that I would be the best candidate is because I can get things passed. I'm diplomatic. You can see I, I went over and talked to Councilman Coonrod. She's been to my house. I'm a bridge builder and I'm authentic, I'm organic, I'm grassroots. I think that we can win the black vote. We've got 34% African-American population. I've been in the projects, you know, at night, I like to say, not just in the day with the cameras rolling, but at night doing food drives, toy drives, gang intervention, uniting people. And I'll be that fighter that doesn't just talk about policies during election time, but actually builds the relationships that aren't transactional, that are long-term to get this legislation passed even when we have to stand up to the state and possibly sue the state of Tennessee. So uh, I, I just want to thank you. That was like shockingly honest. And not that, not that these interviews aren't honest with, with most candidates at all. That would just right, like, right. man, you're just going to put it, you know, put it out there. And I super, and I appreciate that. And I think my listeners are really going to appreciate that as well. You know, Andrew, you said you've been here for eight years. And so I'm right. curious, um, what is something you see in our city that, that our city has done really well over that period that you've, you've lived here in Chattanooga? What's something you see that our, what's one of our greatest strengths or something we've done really well. Right. Well, you know, I've been coming, I've lived here for about four years. I, I've been coming down here every weekend. I couldn't visit my kids because gotcha, gotcha. my ex-wife got remarried to Signal Mountain. I can't afford to live on Signal Mountain. I live on the bottom of Signal Mountain. Hopefully someday, maybe I can get up on top of the mountains. If not, I'm happy living in the Valley with the people, but staying in almost every hotel, I noticed that there was a lot of meth busts. I, I definitely noticed that. And I thought I was staying in pretty nice hotels. And several times, the hotel room next to us got busted for meth uh, or for opioids. So I realized, wow, this is a great city, but this is scary. I'm running out of hotels here. I mean, even the Reed House had a big, you can Google it, the Reed House had a, had a big uh, meth bus downtown. And then I, I was staying at um, the Hampton Inn. There was a murder there at the La Quinta off of Shallowford. So I realized that there was a crime problem here. And then I also realized when I'm going to my kids' Uh, soccer games up on Sigma Mountain, I really did see the tale of two cities. I see, you know, very affluent, almost almost all white group. On, and then going to Lookout Mountain, obviously, as well. I take my kids up to Ruby Falls, uh, Rock City. I just, I saw that it was a very segregated city. It's a very racially seg uh, segregated city. It's a very uh, segregated city when it comes along socioeconomic lines and opportunity. And then when I learned that the schools are under the county, I had a problem with that. I thought that 
there's no representation here. We need to be able to fight and stand up for our children. And I will stand up to the county and make sure that there's equity and make sure that people have equal opportunity and make sure that our schools get, get improved. But what I also noticed was the beauty. You know, we used to love going to the Dwell Hotel and eating. It was like a tropical rainforest. And unfortunately, the Dwell Hotel went out of business. Then I was a member at Burns downtown and I used to like smoking cigars and I was a member and I had a locker there. And that was fascinating because I would get to talk to Minister T.J. Johnson. I would get to talk to Pastor Timothy Carruthers. I would get to speak to federal judge Bill Carter and sit down for, yeah, and sit down for an hour and pick all these people's brains. And then that went out of business because of coronavirus. And uh, Mad Priest that's owned by Michael Rice, who's my friend, the one downtown went out of business. So I've noticed that we have a really great energy here. And, and shout out to Genesis, the great kid, his art is fantastic. I was there the day when Seven uh, got the, the Black Lives Matter painted on the street. So we have a really, um, I see uh, Chattanooga as being similar to Austin, Texas. And Elon Musk just said that Austin, Texas is gonna be the next hotspot in the country. And we have the fastest internet in the country. They like to brag about that with EPB. I really think that we can turn this into one of the hottest cities in the country. We are positioned geographically in an excellent location. As you know, we're halfway between Atlanta, halfway between Nashville. And Atlanta and Nashville have become two of the biggest cities in the country. And there's good things about that. and There's bad things about that. The bad things are, is that it's getting very, very expensive in Nashville. And if you drive up there, the, the parking is almost the same price that when I was living in New York City. I mean, the, it, so we have to be very careful. In Chattanooga, we have the fastest growing rent increases in the country. I believe we're tied with Cincinnati. So we want to have this economic boom, but we also want to be careful that we're not pushing people out by making things too expensive. And I think when you have a candidate like Kim White, she's usually on the developer side. And I want to find common ground to make sure that everybody has a seat at the table when it comes to livable wages, affordable housing, so I'm not just going to have the developers. I'm not going to shun the developers and the big money out, but we're going to make sure that we have the, the tenants there, that we have people from all walks of life that have equal participation. And I promise that we are going to have the most transparency, the most diversity, and full participation when it comes to every decision yeah. from budgeting. Right. And I recognize that we have got nine unique and distinct uh, districts. So I'm not a dictator if I'm mayor. I'm not the king. I can't just wave a magic wand and say, this is what we're going to do across our city with an executive order. We have to meet with the neighborhood associations. We have to meet with the city council representatives. We have to meet with, uh, with clergymen. We have to meet with homeless advocates. We have to meet with small businesses and make sure that we are incorporating the ideas and the suggestions from each of our nine districts. And I'm a risk taker. I've calculated risks, but I will green light and fund a lot of these cutting edge programs that some other candidates might deem as being too risky or too bold. And the plastic bag tax, like I said, we're gonna to have to fight with the state to get that approved. But there's a lot of ideas um, when it comes to beautifying our city and using common sense. Sure, it's great that Bloomberg Philanthropies is gonna paint the street, but let's fix the potholes first. So I just feel like I need to let my listeners peek behind the curtain here because okay. literally Andrew answered about three of my next questions in one answer. And it's brilliant. It's great. I mean, I was going to ask him what the biggest challenge in the city is. And I think he did a great job of answering that question. I was going to ask him, how do you bring citizens together to be part of the decision-making process? And you gave an answer to that as well. Um, 
so, so uh, you know, I want to ask you like some fun, some fun questions as well. Sure. You know, if, if you were, if you were given like a one million dollar grant as mayor, you know, how would you spend that money? Obviously, there's no silver, silver bullet solutions to a lot of these challenges that you mentioned. Uh, right. Some of the challenges facing our city, you know. But as far as taking the first step towards a solution, you know, how would you use a million dollar grant if, if that magically appeared? Right. Well, I was talking to Bishop Kevin Adams, who's a fellow Marine like me, and he was saying that he's going to be getting $1.6 of federal COVID money to purchase a hotel for our homeless. Um, my commitment, my main goal for the first 100 days is to get every homeless person off the streets. And I promise you, we will do that in 100 days. And here's how. We're going to open up. So if I got the million dollars, I would put it directly towards helping our most vulnerable people. We have plenty of spaces that are owned by the government in the city. We're going to open up City Hall even and put homeless people in. Uh, they might be tornado refugees. They might just be homeless and fall on, on hard times. Now, once we get homeless people housed, that's obviously the first step to the solution. We have to worry about and treat you know, mental health problems, substance abuse problems. Not everybody that's homeless has a mental health uh, problem or substance abuse problem, right. but a lot of them do. And we need to recognize that and make sure that we can rehabilitate them, counsel them, get them jobs that pay livable wages, provide them transportation to their work, get them new wardrobes like suits, and things are going to set them up for success. So I would take that million dollar grant and I would uh, get mental health professionals, people that can help rehabilitate um, our, our homeless. Now, when I was volunteering for the city, one of the main problems that we had with housing people at, at Patton Towers, for instance, was I would have a guy who's all excited uh, for, you know, for months, for years about having a place. And he was telling me, he's like, Andrew, I'm finally going to have my own apartment where my daughter can come over and visit. And he was crying tears of joy. And we brought him over to Patton Towers and they said, sorry, your background has been rejected. He had a, a, some type of a felony from the 80s. Oh, wow. And I argued with him and he, so he, what happened was he spiraled out of control went back to drugs, ended up in, in a crack house. I want to, so I want to, uh, to, to make sure that we can use common sense here and say, this guy is not a threat to put him in patent towers. He hasn't had an incident in decades. So I believe that our government should be helping, not harming. If a house is falling apart, let's not demolish their house. Let's not hit them with more city code violations. And, and give them fines. Let's declare a war on poverty and end the war on the poor. Let's get out there. Let's work with gang members. You know, at first I was like, we're going to arrest all the gang members. Then I met with the gang members and I realized that it's only a small percentage of them that are committing crimes. A lot of them joined gangs because they wanted a brotherhood. They wanted a family. They wanted to be able to stand up against uh, uh, racism, against oppression. So yes, if you're committing crimes in the gangs, you're going to jail 100%. But if you're in a gang because you want a support group and you want a power structure, well, let's team up. Let's give you opportunity. Let's pay you to help clean up people's houses, to help pick up trash, to clean up our neighborhood. And I'm not going to glorify the Italian mafia and John Gotti in New York City. But the reason why John Gotti was so popular in New York City was because he got rid of the petty crime. There was no you know, rapes or child molestations going on in New York City because the mafia wouldn't allow it. There was no trash on the street because the mafia wouldn't allow it. So I'm not saying that I want a mafia, but I can work with the gang members to say, look, you stop committing crime and we're going to put you to work. Yeah. I'm not going to ask you to put the drugs and the guns down if I can't give you a job in construction. And we've been able to get gang members jobs in construction that pay a livable wage because if you're selling drugs and making good money, you don't want to hear from Mayor McLaren 
hey, I'll get you a job in McDonald's. It's just not realistic. And I can work with the community haven, with the safe haven and Kevin Muhammad to do this, to, to put these people to work and team up and know that we're authentic and that we care and that we can get you to put the guns and the drugs down. So the million dollar grant is gonna go directly towards helping our homeless people right now because uh, John F. Kennedy talked about it. It's a measure of how good your society is by how you treat the most vulnerable. And we can't throw a bandaid at it. Um, we need to be strategic about it and getting them housed first, getting the rehabilitation, getting the mental health crisis uh, taken care of, getting them a, a proper wardrobe, toiletries, furniture, everything that they need to set them up for success. Sometimes in the city, what I would see is they just throw these people in an empty house and then they tell them, oh, you know, we'll get you furniture in a week or two or, or whatever. And, and I saw kids sleeping on the floor without a mattress and the mattresses are up in Cleveland, Tennessee. I offered to go bring the mattresses down from Cleveland. I get told, well, you don't have the proper license. So I came out of pocket and bought the mattresses for kids so they don't have to sleep on the floor. So this isn't a nine to five job. We need to have empathy, humility, and humanity. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I love to hear the fact that you want to use that for helping the homeless because it is, it, I mean, it's grown so much in the past year. It doesn't, it, you just have to look around. Um, and, and everybody's mentioned that, but it hasn't been a, a key topic for a lot of people. Um, you know, I, and something that I tell people all the time too, you know, in Chattanooga, we have two multi-million dollar animal shelters, two multi-million dollar animal shelters, which is fine. That's great. You know, but when but we don't have a single municipal shelter for homeless people. I mean, that's amazing. It's no. incredible. And I look, I love taking my, my kids, uh, especially my daughter likes to go play with the cats at McKamey. And when I saw, I believe the figure was $14.3 million that they got for the facility. That was something that me and Cameron completely agreed on. It's like their homeless population is spawning out of control. We're spending more money on dogs and cats. And what was really sad was I actually got a lot of kickback for criticizing it. People were like, how dare you, Andrew? you know homeless people can take care of themselves these animals are are domesticated they depend on us to take care of them and, and i'm like well you know i got my little house in puerto rico and when i say i have a house in puerto rico people think i'm rich it's a, it's a nice it's very nice but it's a little basically like a like a beach bungalow in the middle of the campo in puerto rico um and there's the cats down there and they survive so i'm not saying that we don't need to take care of our dogs and cats yes i know that maybe they're not as resourceful here in chattanooga Maybe the cats, can't, the cats can't hunt the rats and drink the rainwater. I get it. But we need to take care of our people first. Yes. Please, then let's worry about the, the stray dogs and cats. Let's take care of our people. We, yeah. need to, we need to have a little bit more humanity here. And, you know, if I get my butt kicked right now, I'm at the election commission. Uh, but if I get my butt kicked in this election, what I hope to accomplish is at least shift the narrative. And I know Chris Dahl feels the same way shift the narrative away from the oligarch and the mountain money and put the, the spotlight back on the people who really need it yeah, yeah. and hold them accountable. It, there, you know, it came up in a, in a debate the other day with, um, I don't even remember which podcast it was or which forum. I've done so many of these, but been a lot. golf courses. There was a question about golf courses. Mm -hmm. You know, Andrew, what do you think of the two golf courses? Would you, uh, would you be willing to lease them out? And every candidate that talked, now granted, I get, this was the big boys club. So the, you know, people like Chris Dahl weren't even invited in this. I guess his link didn't work, which is weird because some of the candidates, their links don't work to get into these <laughs> forms. Um, so, and every candidate was like, no, I, I would think about maybe leasing one of the golf courses, but the other one's a treasure in Chattanooga. We can't lease it. And I was like, absolutely. We're going to lease it. And we're going to take the money. We're going to, we're going to give it to kids that are dealing with food insecurity. We're going to give it to single mothers 
who have to worry about their children being in, in uh, virtual learning. And, and we're going to subsidize their daycare because they shouldn't have to choose whether or not they go to work and provide food on their family's table where they have to stay home and, and babysit their kids. We're going to be taking that money. And we're going to be putting it towards the people. And then every other candidate that was in that was just like, oh, no, we can't do that to the golf course. And I said, look, yeah, nothing against golf. But my supporters and me, we don't play golf. We play mini golf. Yeah. So you're saying you had an Allen Iverson moment in this forum. Practice. Yeah. We're talking about practice golf courses. We're talking about golf courses. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The practice. I love that. That's my son's yeah. favorite player. I love that. You're talking about practice? Yeah. Practice? Yeah. So I really do feel, and I feel bad criticizing um, some people. And, and uh, you know, also I've burned my bridges. I've become pretty much blackballed in the city like Chris Dahl has because I spoke out against the mayor, Mayor Burke, many times. I could have shut my mouth and rose up the ranks in city government, but and I could drop out right now and endorse somebody and probably get a paid position. But I'm not in this for the money or the clout or the name recognition. I'm in this because I'm a fighter. I got a big mouth, and I'm not afraid to get you know stomped out, stomped on, and criticized. And I think that I'm just sick of seeing people getting screwed over, seeing good people getting screwed over. And we have so much potential in this city, but we need to be more humane we, we need to have a bigger heart we need to be more inclusive we need to have more equity and we don't just need candidates who say this come election time and then when they get in it's you know all right haha you know see you in four years suckers well uh you know andrew i've got one more question for you and it's again it's really simple it's really fun it's like how i like to end these conversations you know it's for you to tell us what neighborhood you live in in chattanooga and what you love about that neighborhood about that part of our city sure. well i live on at the bottom of sigma mountain i live in district one so chip henderson is my city councilman I, and i live in a, a an apartment a condo whatever on mountain creek road and for me it's paradise it's it's still affordable and there's a little tennis court. There's a little place to play football with my kids. There's a pool. It's great. I'm not living in luxury, but I'm comfortable and I'm grateful. And there's a lot of great neighbors, great people there. Uh, Chuck Beard is one of my neighbors and Chuck is outstanding and his wife, Felicia. And it's a great sense of community. And what I don't like seeing is that more and more of the trees are being chopped down and they're just building more and more of these buildings right on top of the road. And I think that we need to think aesthetically but we also need to think about the environment and where I live, the traffic is getting worse at the gas stations because they're building all these new places, but there's no new gas stations. Uh, so people's commute times are increasing. The traffic is increasing. Air pollution is increasing. But, you know, not to be a Debbie Downer, I'm very close to Prentice, uh, State, uh, Prentice Cooper State Forest, and I take my kids there and we get to walk in the rivers and, and, uh, and swim. And that's maybe about 10 minutes away right down the street. Yeah. Uh, and then I've got Signal Mountain, which I can fly up the mountain in about six minutes. And then I'm only about seven minutes away from downtown. So you have a taste of living in the country, but being so close to downtown, uh, it really is. It, it's it's amazing. It's a, my, and my kids who live on the mountain, it's like a Huckleberry and Finn story. My daughter <laughs> is outside and she's feeding raccoons and she's collecting bugs and, you know, total tomboy. And, and uh, it really is a, a great place amazing views so much uh, so much beauty here but i think we that we can do better we can be the the next hot spot in the city and attract tourism and we're not going to attract tourism if we keep on overdeveloping. and we're known as the scenic city so let's stop chopping all of our trees down let's stop building let's stop taking away our landmarks and let's protect them 
and let's make a city that's balanced. I want balance. I don't just want, you know, everything to be overdeveloped, but I, I recognize that we need to be reasonable and we do need to try to, to boost our economy. Well, Andrew, thank you so much, man, for taking time for this conversation. It's been fun. Yes, thank you so much, Matt. And, uh, and get out and vote. Like I said, I'm out here at the uh, election commission. I'm going to be talking to people and, and shaking hands, you know, kissing babies and trying to win the hearts and minds. And, and, and if nothing else, even if you don't vote for me, just get out and vote. Well, I just want to say thank you so much to Andrew for taking time for this conversation. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and I think that probably came through in the podcast. You know, Andrew did it from his car uh, when he was at the election commission to vote early. So it was a, it was a ton of fun uh, getting to know Andrew and hearing his heart and his passion for our city. And honestly, it's part of what I love about Chattanooga is people move here and it's you get involved really, really quickly. Uh, people grow passionate about our city really, really quickly. And so uh, I hope that came through in this interview. If y'all want to learn more about Andrew and his campaign, you can check him out at mclarenformayor.com. Uh, as always, you know, I've put a, a link to his website in the show notes of this episode. As we are talking right now, as you are listening to this, wherever you listen to your podcast, early voting is happening right now in Chattanooga. And we've put a link to the Hamilton County Election Commission website in the show notes of this episode. And so you can find early polling locations there. Uh, you can also find out exactly who is on your ballot, not only for mayor, but for city council. Every city council seat is up for election at this point as well. And if you guys want to learn more about the, the mayoral candidates or the city council candidates, Go check out Chattanooga Civics. It's another podcast and another resource uh, that's doing a lot of other interviews as well as mine. Now, I made this note in a previous episode, but, uh, you know, I've kind of run out of the run of episodes that I had lined up. And so now I'm going to be releasing episodes as they come out. So I, I do have a few more interviews to do, uh, but they will be a little bit more sporadic than what they have been up until this point. So thank you all for taking time to get to know Andrew and learn about his campaign. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Until next time, I hope you have a great day.